Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and we are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., Wednesdays at 9 a.m., and now we're on from 8 to 9 a.m. or 8.06 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. We hope that you'll tune in. We also podcast these programs at richarddugan.com, SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. We're also on YouTube where you can watch these conversations. I hope that you will. And uh, I also hope that you will uh, uh, tune in uh, uh, at um, the 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 uh, the link that uh, allows you to listen live on the online at richarddugan.com. We also ask that you subscribe and at least a notification, uh, click notification so that you can be notified when we do have a, a new conversation up there, such as the conversation we're going to get into today with a returning guest here on the program and a very important subject that we're going to talk about here on, on Tell Me Your Story. We ask also that if you can support the work that we are doing financially, we would be so gratefully appreciative. We have a PayPal account, as we have for the last 15 years. It's there for your security as well as ours. And whatever amount you can support us with, we would be ever so grateful. Thank you, thank you, thank you to those who have helped and those who will help. Put in my email address when they ask for it, richard at richarddugan.com, with any amount, as I said before. <clears throat> and also, we ask that you take some time to um, spend some time during this decade of perfect vision, the 2020s. Go within, listening to that still small voice. With all of that being said, returning guests to our program. Arthur uh, Kanegas, he is the director as well as producer of the, uh, uh, there's a website, but there's a movie called The World is My Country. And uh, Arthur, I want to thank you for joining us again. We've got a lot to talk about on this program, and it is always great to have an opportunity to chat with you and find out where things are going, especially with this, and I, I, I was thinking about this before the program started, this new club, this new country club. It's called the World is My Country Club, and it has to do with some very interesting Zoom meetings that uh, are going to be going on, but also a new movie that is out or uh, the promotion of maybe an old movie that we saw back in, uh, believe it or not, folks, 19, I believe it was 1983. Uh, but first of all, thanks for being with us here on the program. Yes, it's always a pleasure to be on your wonderful program. Appreciate that so much. And yes, uh, back in 1983, uh, there was an incredible uh, feature film, a made-for-TV movie called The Day After. And most of those in our generation remember it because more than half of the entire U.S. adult population watched that movie. 100 million people in the U.S. and 200 million in Russia. And it helped step us back from the brink of nuclear war. And what we're, what we're announcing today is not uh, to bring back that old movie, but an incredible new documentary uh, by Jeff Daniels, but we're the impact producers on it, but he's the director. And it's an incredible movie called Television Event. And it's about that amazing television event and how it, how it shook up a nation, how it uh, rattled President Reagan. It gave him nightmares. It made him shift his stance from from trying to fight and win a nuclear war to the Soviets to saying uh, a nuclear war can never be won and must never be fought. And that it's much better to be talking 
than to be uh, to be battling sabers at each other. So um, it's a it's a fantastic, fun, uplifting movie that's filled with both uh, humor and drama, but it captures the horror of the day after, but also the amazing hero's journey of say the 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 key individuals who brought that incredible movie to the world, despite all kinds of pressure. The legal department of ABC said they couldn't do it. The advertisers all pulled out. They had life threats against their life, but they managed to pull off this movie. And so uh, we, uh, we, we did hold a reunion of these courageous people who made that film. And we did this for the 40th anniversary. And we did that as the grand premiere for the new, for the new movie television event. Now, the, the thing that is so fascinating to me is that I did watch that. I was 23 at the time. And um, I think that I don't want to say that it necessarily put the fear of God in me. I've never been afraid of God. Um, you know, it makes no sense to fear the one who created me, uh, if you will, father figure, if you will, if you want to anthropoform, anthropo, well, anyway, uh, put a human. Uh, Anthropomorphized. Human... Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> some days the words come out, some days they don't. Um, and and um, I, 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 it just astounded me that <clears throat> the, the, with the depictions in this film, which, by the way, I did see the little shorts that uh, you have up on your website there of the of the making of the film. And, and then, of course, revisiting it uh, some 40 years later, um, uh I thought, wow, you know, we 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 need to get a we need to get a handle on this. And there have been some other films since then. There was one that was uh, that uh, um, had uh, Morgan Freeman was one of the main characters in it as well. Uh, that came out a few years back, where Washington was wiped out by um, a, a dirty bomb, as they call them now. And I'm just sitting here thinking, what in the world is going through the minds of these people who? You know, they 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 think that this is an answer. I mean, and even governments, our own government, for that matter, thinks that, that, that you know, they, they talk about uh, deterrence, you know, well, you know, uh, you know, we, we need to we need to have these deterrents to prevent. And it's like, yeah, but if you have it. Then there is the possibility that you'll use it. And I know that that's a, a big concern on a lot of people's minds. Uh, talk to us about the connection between <clears throat> the world is my country uh, and the message that uh, that uh, uh, the founder uh, of, of this uh, aspect of having world passports. By the way, I just renewed my yes. U.S. passport and now they have a card. You have the book and you can also have the card. Um, yes. And well, I, I just I just renewed that. But I have still longed to get the world passport uh, you which, don't have yours yet not yet oh, okay. i'm 63 and you know and i've got still got it's another very 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 easy right on our yeah. website there's a link where you can apply online and and get it uh yeah. okay so so let me let me tell you the link between the two please uh, and this link is is what lingers in my mind but it also lingered in the minds of gary davis and that is uh and the reason why we're supporting two films on the sort of opposite sides of the spectrum is on the one hand Humanity needs a warning of the danger we're plunging toward. And on the other hand, it needs a vision of what is the alternative? Where can we go? 
so that we can get out of that horror of descending into nuclear war and find a clear, reasonable path to how we can actually make a world that works for, for everyone and say that a safe and secure future. So we're working the entire spectrum. But let me go back to what you asked about Gary Davis. Now, our organization, uh, Future Wave, uh, has played a key role in, in create, and, and, and I, as the director, directed a movie about an amazing guy, Gary Davis, who was a, a bomber pilot in World War II. But that wasn't his purpose here on Earth. He was a song and dance man, a Broadway song and dance man. He stood in for Danny Kaye on Broadway and brought down the house. He loved to make people laugh. And suddenly he finds himself in an airplane killing people with bombs instead of killing with laughter. And he said, what in the heck am I doing up here? When he saw the pictures of all the people who were maimed and killed and destroyed, thousands of people destroyed but killed by his bombs, he said, something is very, very wrong. And after the war, he got back and people are talking about all these, you know, uh, all the all the light chatter and what's next on show business and who's dating who. And he's like so troubled, he can't get into all that. And his friends are saying, Gary's not funny anymore. But he says, you know, uh, humanity's got to do something. He sees the nuclear bomb arising. He saw Hiroshima and Nagasaki, entire city wiped out by a single bomb. He said, what, what have I ordered back into the reserves to, to bomb Moscow in a war that will end life on earth. Oh my God, I have to do something. But what can I do? You know, I'm just I'm just an actor. Uh, and he goes on a quest to find out how to beat the most intractable enemy of all, war itself. And he reads an amazing book called The Anatomy of Peace and suddenly it clicks in his head. Humanity has already invented a system that eliminates war. What? Are you kidding? Well, yes, we inside countries, it's illegal to commit a war against someone. Uh, well, what about civil wars? Well, that's when you have two sovereignties or two governments. If everyone's accepting one government, we don't fight wars with each other. When, when Timothy McVeigh blew up the federal building uh, years back, you know, Oklahoma didn't declare a war in Michigan to <laughs> to retaliate because they had harbored the Michigan militia. You know, we, we don't destroy a whole country. We, we handle it as a criminal justice issue. And a person is is arrested and tried and put to justice. And and this was sort of the point after World War II of the Nuremberg trials that, that nations and presidents need to be subject to the rule of law. And yes, we see terrific miscarriages of justice and all kinds of things. But Overall, we're much better with a system where you can take your disputes to court than where everybody just battles them out by by seeing who can who they can kill. I mean, that must have been the craziest invention anyone came up to. How how are we going to resolve our problems? Well, who how do we find out who's right and wrong? Well, the person who can kill the most of the other people, they're right, and the one who can't kill as many is wrong. I mean, what a stupid way to resolve conflicts. Mm -hmm. So uh, humanity's got to imagine and picture a better way. Where Gary says we're in a very inventive species, and he goes on this journey on how to how to bring us into world citizenship. And if you go to theworldismycountry.com and watch the turtle and the little shorts, you'll see that. Uh, he has an incredible journey and encounters with Einstein and, and, and Eleanor Roosevelt, and uh, and he has this incredible, he, he has the nerve to actually interrupt an entire session of the UN and say the nations you divide represent divide us and lead us to the brink of total war. And he calls on them to hold elections of a, of a government of, by, and for the people of the world. Well, of course, they don't do that, but some of the delegates even cheer him and 
and he and he launches a movement uh, that you won't believe it when you see the film. The incredible power this movement had, and, and sort of a lost piece of history we need to revive because we need a movement for world citizenship. Everyone knows what they're against, but very few want to know what what, what is, what's the alternative. What are we for? And what we're for is a way that we can create an umbrella above the nations that divide us, above the, 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 the all the cultures, that doesn't meld us all into one, but that protects our diversity and our richness of cultures and protects life on this planet so we can go on dealing with all these other challenges and stuff and resolving them, but we need a planet to be able to do it on. Mm. That is true, and uh, this is the only one that uh, we know of that we have, <clears throat> and we um, are not doing the greatest of jobs taking care of it, you know, and I don't even get into the uh, discussions with people about the science and climate change and da 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 da. I basically put it this way: um, uh, uh, we need to clean up our home, Arthur. We need to clean up our home. Um, you know, and uh, it, that's really the bottom line. It doesn't matter whether or not you, you know, agree with the science or disagree with the science. This planet's a mess. And I don't know, uh, I've heard uh, arguments both ways that, you know, the planet doesn't need us. The planet will clean itself up, but, you know, it'll take care of it. Even if uh, like a dog after getting wet in the rain uh, comes inside and then shakes, shakes to get the water droplets off of its fur, it'll shake and get us off, you know, if you will. If that's if that's the process, there's nothing. Or get the fleas off, perhaps. Would be the <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and that's been the argument that, you know, we're a parasite. I don't know that I'd go quite that far. But this is our home. This is where we live. Why aren't we taking better care of it? And yeah, well, there's no question. You're right that the planet itself, you know, will go on. Uh, we're, we're, but uh, life on Earth is in this incredible, fragile, little thin layer of atmosphere that keeps life alive on this planet. And it's a really precious thin layer. And, and we've got such an incre incredible, beautiful, amazing, complex planet. When you, the more and more you find uh you know dig into almost any subject you find this incredible beauty and wonder of the planet and yet at the same time this species that's smart enough to send these probes into space and find out that trillions and trillions of miles and light years away there's you know uh, thousands of light years away this is the only you know place we found so far with this incredible precious combination it were, it's a pretty lonely spot and it would just be really stupid to ruin that little thin layer that makes it possible for us to have life here and you know nuclear war is instant global warming it it it, it throws so much soot and stuff into the atmosphere that would cause actually uh a nuclear nightmare uh people talk about it as a nuclear winter but winter's not right because winter you know, comes around the spring and all that, but it's really, uh, it, it's really a blanket of that actually would of of soot and everything that would make it would destroy all crops, all life, no way to create food, no way to carry on, and we would really be uh, uh, destroying the very atmosphere that keeps life alive. So um, we need to both stop the slow <laughs> uh, destruction of our atmosphere, but also the instant destruction that would happen if we had a nuclear war. Yeah. <clears throat> We're talking with uh, um, uh, a very special guest here on the program, director and producer of the film, The World is My Country, <clears throat> focusing on uh, Gary Davis and uh, uh, the work that he accomplished in his lifetime to create what is uh, what is basically a world 
passport, a, a world citizenship passport, among other things that are now available at the website uh, that you just mentioned, theworldismycountry.com. Uh, but we're also talking here about the the various uh, things that are happening uh, behind the scenes. I mean, you've got uh, uh, some things that are happening, these these special events, uh, these uh, the Zoom meetings, yeah. as, as they're called, okay. and so forth. And they, yeah. take, they take place uh, <clears throat> um, uh, online, uh, and there's a link at uh, theworldismycountry.com slash club, which we will be linked to, where you can sign up and register. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, first of all, is there a charge uh, for, for, for any okay. of this? First of all, uh, people can, can join f- uh, free and try it out. Uh, we would love it if people like with you would, would go ahead and subscribe. That would keep us going. And and. Uh, and and you definitely have the option to do that, and that's uh, that's super important. Uh, but you can come to it without that. And what it is, uh, it, it, yes, the world passport is crucial, uh, but it's sort of a tool and it's sort of a, a symbol of what is actually the world citizen government. It's a government. Gary actually, you know, you know, he said back to Gary. I mean, when he said, you know, we need to have governance governance above the planets that divide us. Uh, he realized that people are begging and pleading their governments, you know, please make please please do this. And he realized that they can't do it because their loyalty is to the part, not the whole. They stay in power because they can say, we're protecting you from from those other bad guys. And, and they have to, you know, keep keep us divided uh, to Congress. And he looked around and he saw that the universe. Well, he was instrumental, first of all, in helping uh uh, helping to play a key role of, of rallying a huge rally on the eve of the vote that helped actually get the Universal Declaration passed unanimously. You'll see that in our movie, uh, the UN vote. Uh, but uh, he also, in that UN, in that Universal Declaration of Human Rights, that was uh, was was agreed to by all the nations of the planet. It was a unanimous declaration, and and back in nineteen. Uh, back back in uh, uh, in 1948, and it was uh, it says it, it is that the will of the people shall be the basis of the sovereignty uh, 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 basis of the sovereignty of nations. That we the people are the ones who create governments. Every single almost every constitution says we the people did this. So Gary says, well, wait a minute. We the people, who are those? Are those some old guys in wigs, you know, you see in the pictures? <laughs> or or is that you and I? And well, if it's you and I, why don't I just go ahead and do it? So he had the nerve to declare a government of, by, and for the people of the world. You see that in the movie, you see the people cheering. He did that on the city hall of of, of, of the of the place where he was born. And uh, uh, and since then, the World Service Authority continues to operate in Washington, D.C., and has some of the government functions of issuing passports, world IDs, uh, uh, world marriage licenses, birth certificates, all based on provisions in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. None of them are just out of the blue. They're all things that the Universal Declaration says are our rights. And it says right in the preamble that every institution and every uh, every person is supposed to enforce this. So we don't have to wait for governments to enforce it. This organization that is set up, the World Service Authority, is doing that. Now, we are, are not... We're not that organization. That organization is headed by David Gallup, but we're, our movie is about that organization, and we're very 
we're very supportive of what they're doing. And if you go to our website and click on the World Passport tab, you'll see the World Passports and you'll be able to sign up for it. Do you want me to share my screen and show people a little of that? or, or Absolutely. Uh, matter of fact, uh, we'll do that as we continue here. I'm Richard Dugan, and we're talking with... Uh, <clears throat> we're talking with uh, Arthur Canagas uh, uh, about uh, this uh, wonderful process. And uh, just give me a moment here as we go through the process here uh, to um, talk about what it is that um, one can do with um, a world passport. Uh, how, what what's the what is the uh, shall we say sort of the the end uh end result so to speak what what's the purpose of having a world passport oh okay well that do you want me to share screens or just talk tell you about that there we go i think you should be able to share now okay let me do that all right so it's this way people, uh, people can see what this is all about uh, initially uh, and i'll let you uh, put that together as we continue here talking about uh, uh, this process okay, of uh, uh, getting a world passport uh, with uh, arthur who is uh, the director producer of the film uh, the world is my country focusing on gary davis and what the the work that he did uh, to actually acquire the very first he he has number 1 <laughs> yeah yeah gary davis has it so uh, let me go first to our our uh, homepage this is the world is my country this is gary davis uh, mm -hmm. who uh, and, and the movie about him the world is my country that one in all these different film festivals and there gary is with his his world passport uh and let me see for a second uh where yeah that's okay and then uh this is where you know this shows where he was refused entry by every country and so then he ended up having to create his own world passport and martin sheen introduces the film and when you go to the website you'll see that that let me play the little one minute trailer is that okay with you sure go right ahead Here's Gary Davis. World citizen number one, Gary Davis. Gary Davis. Gary Davis. Gary Davis. Gary Davis. Gary Davis. Who, me? You are about to hear from an everyday man with an extraordinary life story. He was an actor, a song and dance man who leapt off the Broadway stage onto the world stage in 1948, taking on cops, border guards, armies, and whole nations, showing us that we don't have to be awed by their props of power and control. For 65 years, as a citizen of no nation, only the world, Gary Davis made his own props of freedom, demonstrating that we, the people, can tear down the walls of oppression and write our own story. We can build a world that is constructive for all and destructive to none. A world in which all of us can truly say, the world is my country. So on the website, you'll see other things and how to play that. But also what you're particularly talking about here is, well, we're talking about both the podcast and the passport. <clears throat> so let me first go to the passport. Um, the world passport, and there's Martin Sheen with his, uh, you know, the uh, uh, they're issued by the World Service Authority, the administrative arm of the world citizen government. 
great thinkers from Socrates to Paine to Gandhi, Einstein, they've all called themselves citizens of the world. Uh, but now here's a actual concrete document that you can use to prove it, to claim your citizenship. It says right in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights uh, that uh, everyone has the right to recognition of the person before the law and everyone has the right to leave any country, including its own, and return to this country. Well, we see that's violated every day by governments, but that's because there's no law above the governments that divide us. Treaties are just, uh, uh, you know, agreements that they break all the time, even though the Constitution says we're the supreme law of the land. Uh, the U.S. Uh, doesn't seem to honor that part of our Constitution. We've continued, repeatedly broken many, many, many treaties, uh, and especially the key treaties that are helping step us back from nuclear war. It's so crucial. Um, but anyway, so over 5 million of the world documents have been issued. They include passports, birth certificates, and so on, uh, world citizen cards. And by the way, you asked their function. Uh, they play a crucial role. These marriage certificates were especially important and are still important in jurisdictions where gay marriages are illegal because they can get a marriage certificate from the World Service Authority to use to get housing and other things. Uh, the world ID cards are crucial. Many people, uh, in many countries, people don't have citizenship because whole groups of people are excluded and uh, they can't get medical care. They can't get their kids into school so they can use the world passports or world birth certificates to be able to get crucial medical care for their families. Um, and so people say, <laughs> you know, does the world passport work? And Gary always says, uh, uh, he says, no, it's a tool for claiming your right. It doesn't work. You work the tool. And he talks about how you can uh, stand tall and, and use the world passport. And on that page, You'll see if you go to it, the podcast with David Gallup, the founder of the World Service Authority, who explains all these kind of things I've talked about, the incredible impact this had and the incredible number of people who have uh, uh, have, have, have used that passport uh, to travel. In fact, uh, if you go to the World Citizen Government webpage, which I got to for, through that link, you will see that uh, they there's, uh, there's this is where you order the documents, but if you go to it, You'll see that uh, there are, uh, let's see, where is it? The nations that, that almost every nation on earth, let me go back here to the, uh, the world passport. Here we go. And facts here. So the world passport, which, which looks like that, uh, it has, uh, it's been stamped by virtually every country in the world, and they show you those. Right on their website, you'll see uh, the uh, you'll see the uh, the list of the various here, countries. There we go. Um, here, this is where we, we go to. Now, this lists the all the different. Uh, it shows you visas, recent visa examples, and then it also shows you a list of hundred over 184 countries that have stamped it. Now, as you go down this list, and it's, and it's a very long list, includes almost every country in the world, all but about three or four are included. Uh, and you click on any one of these numbers, uh, like you click on, well, Algeria, you'll see a stamp that Algeria put in. If you click on, uh, and, oh, let me go back there. Go back to, uh, Anyway, you'll you'll see once you go to that. Let me not linger on that page anymore. But you'll see when you go to that that virtually every country has uh, 
at least once put stamps on them, and many have done visas numerous times. Uh, many, uh, like India, stamped it for, for, for and issued visas that have been submitted to them. But then sometimes they'll also refuse it, the same countries. But going back to our film, uh, if you go to our podcast page, this is where you'll find the, the weekly meetings we have. Now, we did are taking a Christmas break, but uh, but you can sign, like we have people who are part of the, the World Federalist Movement working for global security. But if you go to these past guest speakers, this is a pretty incredible one about our, our, about our, sh our showing with television event. Uh, and if you go actually directly to the worldismycountry.com slash nuclear, this is the film I'm talking about that we're going to be now getting on PBS stations across the country. Uh, let me play you another little clip to introduce this. This is a meeting we set up, the 40th anniversary, bringing back the people who had created uh, the day after. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, first, I'll give you the, I should show you the trailer of the day. Well, I'll show you this first, and then sure. I'll show you this. This is Lawrence, Kansas. Is anybody out there? Anybody? That's the line delivered by John Lithgow in the 1983 TV movie, The Day After, viewed at the time by 100 million people and still for a lot of good reasons being talked about today. I saw The Day After when I was five. My whole family piled into my basement in Flushing, Queens to watch The Day After as everyone else in the neighborhood was and they had the sense at five years old uh, to put me to bed before that iconic bombing sequence, thank God. But uh, I got the picture. All these people I was being introduced to were about to die a, a grim, horrible death. You go up and knock on someone's door and say, I'm from ABC and I'd like to blow your barn up. Television event is the name of Jeff Daniels' documentary about the challenges and political grief that director Nicholas Meyer and his team faced while filming the day after in the middle of America's heartland. He'll screen it at Liberty Hall in Lawrence on December 4th, exactly 40 years and two weeks after that historic broadcast on ABC. The White House issued instructions. We want the following edits. Notes, 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 notes. Like, I hope we're not going to see too much peeling skin in this movie the week <laughs> about nuclear war. No, no, no. 1983 was one of the coldest years in the Cold War, only a short time after the U.S. boycotted the Moscow Olympics. And as Daniels points out, the day after appeared on a media landscape that was vastly different than it is today. This was a period where more people were watching network television than ever before or since. That's why you could get 100 million people watching the same thing at the same time to create that kind of shared emotional experience that people would talk about the next day, despite their differences. Daniels will be joined at the screening by members of cast and crew, as well as Lawrence notables like former Mayor David Longhurst and longtime KU theater professor Jack Wright. All this run down by the water was cleared out here, but mm -hmm. it was full of stuff, tents down here. Oh, it, was, it was amazing. Despite many years of stage experience, Wright found himself learning by the seat of his pants as the movie's director of local casting. And there were lots of extras to cast. Oh, I'd get home about 10 o'clock, I'd hit the sack, and I'd be up at 3, and we would be at work at 5.30, getting people hired and getting them into costume and makeup and getting them ready. 
I don't know if it could have happened really anywhere else because everybody was so excited about it. They wanted to be in it. The extras were, I think, a really a highlight of the film. The legacy of the day after also touched Wright in another way. His stepdaughter, Ellen Anthony, snagged a small speaking role in the movie. While the cast included the likes of Lithgow, Jason Robards, Joe Beth Williams, and Steve Gutenberg, big names took a back seat to bigger concerns. No, it's about common people. It's about what happens if something like this disaster happens and your life changes in a dime, just instantly. Uh, that's why, I think that's one of the reasons why the movie was so effective, really. Both Spencer Research Library at KU and the Watkins Museum of History have collected artifacts from the production and the activities that followed. These buttons in the university's archives speak to a part of the story that is sometimes overlooked. A wave of citizen diplomacy, inspired, Bob Swan says, by this scene of cinematic devastation on 9th Street just a block from his downtown insurance office. And I'm standing there with my daughter Amy and she said, Daddy, are we going to have a, a nuclear war? Fallout was falling down from the fallout machine. They had that coming down right in front of the bullet war. So it was a powerful, uh, it had a powerful impact and, and that, that's how I got involved to, to try to make a difference. In the spring of 1983, Swan and associates like Mark Snow arranged for a group of Russian athletes to compete at the KU Relays. But that exchange was just the beginning of a people-to-people -people style relationship between the two nations that he continued to pursue. We had about 23 or four different events and activities and exchanges and things were going on all the time. I had 35 trips to the Soviet Union between about 82 and 93 or so. Swan gets far fewer air miles these days, but now he's got a new goal. An international peace center headquartered in the town that survived Quantrill's raid and brought nuclear winter to people's TVs. The day after, he says, was a game changer that, for a time at least, truly helped make the world safer. The day after grabbed Reagan, and he fundamentally changed his attitude and his strategy toward negotiations. He said, we need to just get rid of these weapons. As a direct result of this film, you could see that the meetings that they had resulted into this shift in rhetoric. No longer could they allow members of their administration to say things like, uh, with a shovel and six feet of dirt over your head, you can survive nuclear war. So I think it's quite significant that Reagan made that point in his State of the Union address, which was a few weeks after the broadcast of the day after, and made that comments um, that nuclear war should never be fought and can never be won. It's a significant move for a television movie of the week. That's uh, that that if you go to our podcast, you get to watch our whole discussion with uh, with, with and you can watch that whole reunion where the director of Star Trek uh, movies, Nicholas Meyer, you saw in there, he directed Star Trek, several of the Star Trek movies and wrote the one about the uh, team crew coming back to bring whales from the present into the future because whales had gone extinct and humans were going to go extinct unless they could bring those whales back. And then we had a very interesting programs and other things like we had, uh, you know, the Barbie movie. It was a pretty amazing. And Brianna Eisler wrote the book 
the uh, uh, the Chalice and the Blade, an incredible book about creating a partnership society. And we had her analyze the movie, uh, the Barbie movie. Uh, we've had uh, people who, uh, you know, is, is the war in Ukraine justified? We had uh, executive director of Citizens for Global Solutions, another great group working on uh, bringing people together as a planet, uh, uh, people who are leading uh, uh, solutionaries. We focus on not all just like, like for instance, um, uh, uh, Majid Groff, she and her team were winners of the Global Challenges Foundation's multi-million dollar offer for best ideas on how to how to help the world develop a, a way of of governing above the nations that divide us and creating world law. They have a, some incredible work that she's done. And and we have John Fitzgerald on films that help transform the world. And we had a big red, the Red Cross has played a big role in working to uh, uh, try to uh, prevent nuclear war because it's the ultimate health disaster. So anyway, you can scroll down in our website and see lots and lots of interesting podcasts and sign up. Uh, to be part of it. There's another movie coming out called The Movement and the Madman on PBS. And you can watch about that. So, and, and Atomic Cafe, I was part of doing their, uh, they, when they were doing their nuclear research down in the basement, I was, was working with that. And I also had a small role in the day after where I was the uh, nuclear war researcher uh, mm -hmm. in Washington, D.C., going down to the Pentagon, getting all this data and faxing it out to the crew so they could build accurate sets. And I did get a nice commendation that uh, when the Reagan administration first thought they'd try to suppress the movie, they said, let's find errors in it and publicize them. And we can't find any errors. It's all, all very accurate about what would happen. So I'm very happy to be part of the research team that made sure that was accurate. So uh, uh, that's a little bit of where you can go to look. Uh, and uh, and uh, you, can, you can watch the film television event and you can help us get it on PBS stations across the country. Uh, we're scheduled to begin that starting in April. Uh, we've already got a commitment from the American Public Television, which uh, puts things out to the, to the nations for PBS, to the, to the station for PBS. But we need local people to say, hey, to their station, hey, we want you to broadcast it here. We need uh, funders and donors and others to help help uh, wake people once again to the danger of nuclear war through that, uh, through, 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 through seeing that. Mm. Well, we're, uh, to me, it's fascinating. The, 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 the film itself, when it was originally released and again, 40 years ago, it's hard to believe it's been 40 years. Uh, that film, uh, though, I didn't necessarily remember the title of the film. I remembered the message in that film and, um, even back then, I, I, I even heard a little bit of the controversy from the governmental standpoint that, well, you know, and it goes back to this same argument that, that I hear that, uh, you, you, it's a rather famous line in a more modern film with, uh, Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson. Um, you can't handle the truth. Who are you, whoever you are? to tell me I can't handle the truth. I can't handle the realities of something. That's, I think, the thing that bothers me and a lot of other people as well, that we have these institutions that want to tell us what we can and cannot handle. You know, if I have to go to therapy after seeing this movie, I'll go to therapy after seeing this movie, you know, back in 83. Um, but the reality is... 
that it wasn't I again, correct me if I'm wrong. The film was not generated to generate fear. It was more to inform people about the realities of uh, said nuclear war or Holocaust or however you want to phrase it, that it's not winnable by even the country that quote unquote wins. Right. I mean, even, even, even if a country, if a country were to launch an all out nuclear strike and never get a retaliatory blow, it would still have destroyed itself because the, 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 the global, the, the, the global impact both in radiation and in the uh, cloud that covers the earth and then the 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 possible vaporization of the of the of the atmosphere that comes about once you start throwing that balance off uh you know we could end up being like venus a a, 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 a planet without an atmosphere that that atmosphere is very fragile and and we need to protect it uh but i think you're right uh, many institutions have uh, kind of blocked us even from 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 the day after being rebroadcast, partly for for technical reasons. But this other film sort of does capture scenes of it using fair use because ABC won't release that film again. Uh, so uh, we, but what what, uh, what I will show you though is briefly the trailer for uh, the day after. Let me show you that a second here. Sure, and, go right ahead. Had enough nuclear weapons to kill every man, woman, and child on the face of the earth. Fifty-four times over. Fifty-four times over. 1983 was the coldest part of the Cold War, at least since the Cuban Missile Crisis. I was thinking, what if I just made a movie showing what nuclear war was? <laughs> what? You out of your mind? P.S. Never thought it would get on the air. You go up and knock on someone's door and say, I'm from ABC and I'd like to blow your barn up. Bob taps me on the shoulder. They want to talk to you. The White House issued instructions. We want the following edits. Notes, 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 notes. Like, I hope we're not going to see too much peeling skin in this movie of the week <laughs> about nuclear war. No, no, no. <laughs> Passionate. Even the crew kept saying, are you sure this is going to be on television? Two weeks from going on the air, front page of New York Times, no one under 10 can watch it, no one over 12 can watch it, no one under 16 can watch it. I mean, I was getting threats on my life. Nobody on network television had ever been shown anything close to this. Those locations were the locations of my childhood. That's really hard to watch. That may have been the first and last time a serious conversation about the danger of nuclear war happened in front of the entire American public. We saw our community destroyed this evening. We saw all the nightmares come true. I'm not going to argue with the fact that the movie changed history. Yes, Ronald Reagan says in his autobiography that 
uh, it troubled him deeply. He had nightmares. Uh, he And this was uh, really the key thing that helped him switch. But also, tons and tons of people fired up into an incredible nuclear freeze movement that did help back us roll back the threat of nuclear war for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, but now we're, we're, we're dangerously plunging toward it with uh, nuclear threats over Ukraine, with, with, with uh, Korea, with uh, all various more, Israel, whatever. Uh, and so we're really, uh, in a, it, it's sort of unbelievable that in the 70 years since then, we haven't found a way to kind of contain uh, these uh, uh, and, and, and to try to find a way to put together an alternative. You know, in the movie Oppenheimer, he advocated a world world government. He said, you know, we've got to have, and Einstein strongly said, you know, the only way we can keep the humanity from descending into barbarism and nuclear war is to have a have world law, have a world government above the nations that divide us. And uh, I think that what happens is in our movie, Gary says, does world government scare you? And he says, well, it does me too. If it's if it's the same old forces of power and money controlling our lives from behind closed doors. Uh, but what if we run it? And what that's what, what our podcast and what Gary was all about. How do we invent an interactive way that we can use these marvelous new tools we have with the Internet to we the people to be interactively involved? You know, we've mm -hmm. got these Zoom meetings and so on. We could we could interact across the cultures that divide us. We could develop ways of having, uh, uh, well, revolutionary conversations, interactive conversations that. Uh, that bring together people on opposite sides of issues. We could develop, instead of the win-lose politics we're facing now, we could create a, a new, what, what Gary called a, a, a synergistics, uh, he called it syntegrity, a synergistic system with integrity, where we where we bring people together to focus not on who's right and who's wrong, but what are the solutions? What are our dreams and hopes for the future? What do we each want? And how do we come together and create create a new way of interactively bringing to the top what is the will of the people? I mean, there's not currently no way to express it. There's not a not a not a way to have a, a you know. There's no uh, world parliament. There's no way that people can be directly involved. It's nation states that divide us, and we're all kept divided in the dark. And you know, if you take any one of these conflicts, the Arab, the the the, the Arabs and the Israelis, the the people and the Palestinians and the Israelis. You know, my daughter works uh, heads the American Friends Service Committee office in Washington D.C. or Canada, and there are so many uh, wonderful like there's schools that have had Palestinians and Israelis together, where the kids have come to love and care with each, for each other. And you know, if you these same people that are in these systems that are dividing us and making us do horrible things to each other, if they're put into a different system and a different interactive way of coming together, they find they start you know. They find that they're people and they're human beings and they have the same kind of hopes and dreams for their children in the future. And, and uh, uh, you know, we, we need a system that rises above the divisions that brings us together yeah. instead of uh, falling into uh, the threat to survival of the very survival of life on Earth. Absolutely. Arthur uh, Kanagas is my guest. Executive, he's the uh, producer and director of uh, The World is My Country, focusing on uh, Gary Davis, who, who created, who helped to uh, create uh, the World Passport. And of course, there are other documents, world, other world documents, birth certificates and marriage licenses and so forth. One of the things that has struck me, uh, uh, Arthur, is 
having worked uh, for 15 years for a Christian radio station and listened to the the stories of the quote unquote prophecies. And again, everybody's got their own perspective. There are, there are certain groups that say, no, no, all those prophecies, they've already happened. Others say they're about to happen. Others say, uh, you know, they're, they're going to happen and so on and so forth. And I'm just sitting here and I'm thinking when, when uh, this particular segment of our society and they have a free right to their perspective and their belief, but um, they, they seem as though they are a bit on the surprised side when things such as the the events that happened uh, uh, in the Middle East or that happened in the Ukraine, they seem a little surprised. And then they, of course, to attach the the various prophecies from uh, uh, their holy writ uh, to 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 say, oh, see, we were right. See, look what's happening. But the thing is, is that they've been saying that. Um, from my perspective, again, uh, going back to the 80s, it's like they've been saying the same thing every time something. Oh, this is it. This is the end. This is this is the, the signs of the end and so forth. And I'm sitting here thinking, then why are you surprised? Why are you shocked? Isn't this in the plan that your God has has laid out? Why are you surprised? And I'm sitting here as the optimist. It's the guy who believes that the glass is half full. That this is not the end that we are not on the brink of annihilation, no matter how bad it might seem, that it only takes one to start saying enough. And when I say it only takes one, it only takes one side of one of these conflicts to say enough, we're done. Uh, I remember when the war broke out uh, almost two years ago in Ukraine, I, I said, if I had the resources, I would jump on a plane to Moscow, I would say, get out of my way. I'm going into the Kremlin. I'd grab that little knucklehead by the ear and say, uh -uh, your mother is ashamed of you. This is not the way we play in the 21st century. It's over. You're going into permanent timeout. No, not going to kill him. That, that would be contrary to what I believe. He has a right to be here, but not to do the things that he's doing. And we have a right to say no. This is not the way, as I said, we, this is not the way we play this game. No, there are. Yeah, well, see, there, there are already international laws that say you're not allowed to do that. The problem is we don't have a way to enforce it. We don't enforce it. Right. Exactly. Because, I mean, so many of these things are illegal. You're not allowed to, yeah. You, yeah. you know, on both sides in the Gaza thing. Hamas isn't allowed to go in and kill civilians. Israel's not allowed to go bombing people to try to get a few. Both all in every single war. Every side thinks that they're fighting for the right and the other's fighting for the wrong, and they all have a different story. Yeah. But, you know, it doesn't matter who's yeah. right and who's wrong. It's that the system is broken. The very yeah. idea that yeah. we can solve things. Think about our society. What yeah. if we said, okay, you know, my neighbor over here is wrong. We're going to go bomb his house. He's going to go bomb ours. Or this neighborhood, you know, we're going to go bomb the neighboring neighborhood. I mean, it's unthinkable inside countries. You don't solve yeah. things that way. You go to court, you say... Hey, you know they're they're infringing on our our uh, water rights. You, you don't say, okay, well we're gonna go bomb them. I mean, you know, right. it's the stupidest way to resolve things. So yeah. I think the problem is a broken system. It's not a problem of bad people on this side or that side. No. I mean, it, it doesn't even matter if it's Putin or someone else. Mm -hmm. It's a system uh, that is that that is making war the solution and the ultimate solution when it isn't. It's a solution that everybody loses. And yeah. you know, when you look at it, the mightiest empires. 
you know, the United States with that, with, with <laughs> the, the answer comes in the, in, in, in the cats and dogs. Yeah. <laughs> they, they know a better way. They just, absolutely just do. And we can do things. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, if you, if you go back to, uh, uh, you know, this, this, the system being the problem, and that is that, uh, you know, if, uh, uh, you could change the players out. You know, it ought to be a conflict. We always demonize. We say, oh, you know, there's, there's, there's Putin, there's Saddam Hussein, whoever it is, there's one bad guy. But it's not one bad guy. It's a bad system that propels into power the people who who, who, are, who are most destructive. Uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, the people of, of Russia don't want this. You know, we, I made a movie called War Without Winners. And we had Hasbrooks, and we traveled over to the Soviet Union and talked to ordinary people on the street. And I went over in the height of the Cold War, and they loved Americans. Everybody wanted to know about uh, our shirts and the Beatles and how they get blue jeans. And they were—I mean, I, I went to when I went to Russia in 1964 as a high school student. And here we are, you know, we're going to blow up the world, and we want to blow up the world to kill these people. And all they want to do is, is have our blue jeans and have our music and yeah, rock and roll. Yeah. You know, you know, and it's—it's it's the systems yeah. that are. Dividing us, people everywhere could come together, and I think that was the whole point of the world. Is my country that if, yeah. if we people, you know, get it through our heads that we don't have to get stuck in this nation in this nation state system. It's like a prison we're in. Yeah. You know, we're locked inside these nation states. When we, the people, could rise above them, we're already doing it on the internet. I mean, the nation states become sort of irrelevant as you rise above, and you can order from all over the world. You can talk to people all over the world. We can interact around the world. We can have Zoom conferences around the world. And it's only these broken systems of lines we've drawn on the planet that aren't even real. I mean, it's not really, for instance, a line between where I am here in, in Baja in Mexico, uh, where where we have this this uh, this beautiful beautiful ocean and this ocean right. extends all the way up into the United States. And there's no line when you get to uh, the border. It's a line that was drawn on a map and people mm -hmm. get killed over that line. They face huge problems over it, economic destruction, all these destructions caused by invisible lines that we've drawn. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's almost unbelievable. Why would we do that? Why would we draw a line and cage, cage people into one or another? Yeah. Why don't we have a yeah. system where we can interactively come together as a planet and solve these problems? Yeah. Almost yeah. every one of the problems that seem insurmountable, unsolvable from inside the broken nation state system become eminently solvable when we rise to become citizens of one world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then we become responsible for that one world. And that's yeah. the way it ought to be. We take responsibility. We do what we can in our little corner of the globe uh, to, to let's say, clean it up, as I mentioned earlier in the program. Arthur uh, Kanagas is my guest, uh, director, producer of uh, The World Is My Country with theworldismycountry.com slash club. We encourage you to go there. We'll be linked to that specific website so that you folks can participate in this new venture, if you will. Uh, which is more of an extension of uh, the current venture of, uh, again, the, the world is my country and uh, maybe going after. Uh, I know that I'm going to pursue uh, the the process of getting a, a world passport. I have the U.S. passport and card, but uh, I'm going to expand that. And I hope that you will uh, consider the possibilities. I will say this before we wrap things up, just an, again, and I uh, what I share on this program are my observations. I'm neither right nor wrong. I'm just observing 
listening and sharing those perspectives. And uh, I was in a, a production uh, of um, uh, an event that took place. Um, it was fictitious, the event itself, uh, in 1924 on Ellis Island, a group of uh, three different nationalities, uh, Eastern European Jews, Germans, and Irish. Uh, and also some uh, uh, those who were from Spain and so forth. And uh, they were stuck on Ellis Island on Christmas Eve because the law had just changed at that time to where now there were quotas. Well, the quotas had been met, so these folks had to stay on Ellis Island over Christmas. And one of the one of the aspects of the production had to do with uh, the um, uh, uh, Christmas in the Trenches. Christmas uh, in World War One, where there was this the ceasefire uh, between the two sides and they exchanged uh, alcohol and food and this and that and the other and good wishes. And they played a soccer game. All of that was uh, verifiable, although they never were able to figure out who won the soccer game, which really wasn't relevant. Um, but, uh, one of the, one of the lines in there had to do with, uh, um, uh, you know, this, is this going to be the war to end all wars? And it is said that even to this day, it was, it is still considered the most brutal war, uh, that, that, a man has ever, uh, um, in, in the 20th and 21st centuries that, that has ever been, uh, um, perpetrated, if you will, on, on humanity. And, um, the, the thing that that is so interesting is that the observation that I'm I'm leading to is this. Supposedly, if it was the war to end all wars to where we would never let it happen again. And yet there's there's a song called uh, The Green Fields of France, where it talks about that aspect uh, where this young man is talking to the gravestone of a young man by the name of uh, Willie McBride and saying, did you think that by uh, you and your comrades, the, the thought that by uh, joining the fight that you would, you would, uh, uh, um, uh, this would be the war to end all wars. Well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's happened again and again and again and again and again to my observation, all soldiers living or dead who have served. And again, my hats off to them for their willingness to do so. Have uh, those who have died, especially, all died in vain because we are still fighting as a species, humanity, and and if we want to change that to where their lives actually mean or me mean something in their in their passing, then we need to stop fighting again. An observation on my part. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. We've done what we've done. We've had World War I, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and the list goes on to the present day. It's time. Obviously, that solution doesn't work because we're still fighting. Absolutely. 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 It never works. I mean, here you have the most powerful empires in the world. Yeah. You know, we founded uh, Vietnam uh, for, for well, well over a decade, killed three million Vietnamese. And it didn't. It it, it didn't. Uh, uh, it didn't achieve any any objective. Well, the most powerful. You know, Russia pounded Afghanistan, and we pounded them for another twenty years. And all we yeah. did is push them more into the hands of the Taliban. It didn't liberate women or do any of the things we were supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and the domino theory in Vietnam that was baloney. They never were going to become a Chinese domino. They they fought China for a thousand years before that. You know, yeah. it's all these. We're all being told these false stories. 
and then we're, we fight these wars for decades and kill incredible numbers of people, millions and millions of people, and, and we never achieved the objective. It, it never, it, it, neither Russia nor the U.S. Could, 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 could defeat the people in Afghanistan. They just pushed the both brutal and worst people into power because that's the only people that could sort of stand up to protect their people when they were yeah. being so brutalized by others. You know, the, it's that whole abuser's yeah. syndrome. Anyway, I think the solution... You know, I do want to point before we leave to how yes. people can join us in the solution. Do mm -hmm. you want me to jump to that now or how much more sure. time? Let's, do we let's have? jump to that now because uh, we are uh, getting close to wrapping things up here. But go ahead, please. Okay. So what I want to do is share screens and invite people to come to uh, to the uh, – uh, let, me, let me invite you to come to our GoFundMe site mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it's crucial. The uh, world is my country this, was made possible yeah. by – So we have this opportunity – uh, this shows what we raised from the beginning. We raised a lot of this money to get the world is my country on PBS stations. And we had it shown on over 100 PBS stations coast to coast. And now we are raising money to get put the television event on. Now, the reason this costs money, uh, there there are numerous costs. Uh, you know, PBS, we don't, we don't have to pay PBS to put a television event on, but to get many stations that know about it, to have stations relations people working with that to get it publicized to have have uh, people know about the broadcast so they tune into them all that uh, and, and to set up all the, to edit the film and to get it ready for the TV version which is shorter that all takes money so yeah. uh, if you yeah. go to this GoFundMe if you just go to GoFundMe and you just search for search for the world is my country but you'll also see television event on there you'll see the little some of the trailer and things you watch there and you know you can and donate any amount you can donate 10 20 or like here al jubis put up ten thousand, and he challenged us to get if we can get matching grants of ten thousand, uh we we can uh we we, we can get another yeah and so we need to come and help us match that so we can reach our overall goal of getting both these programs widely shown and distributed and to carry on our work so mm -hmm. please do go there and also then Go to uh, the podcast page, the world is my country.com and come to our mm -hmm. podcast. Yeah. And if you do those things, you'll be you'll be making a big step toward uh, toward helping us uh, shift our story from. A, and that's why I love yeah. what you say. Yeah. Tell me your story. I mean, in every one of these wars, these wars are all fought over stories. Yeah. One guy said, yeah. you know, there's, a, there's a country western song. I live in a two-story house. You've got your story and I've got mine. You know? <laughs> and and, and that, that's what it is. In every yeah. one of these wars, each person, it's always we're the good guys and we're fighting the bad guys and they're unbelievably evil, beyond comprehension evil, and we have to destroy them. And once we destroy them, the, we'll, 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 we'll succeed and, and we'll live happily ever after. And right off yeah. into, it's, it's the old uh, melodrama. You know, we'll ride, ride yeah. off into the sun. Yeah. the girl and it never really works you nope. no matter how many bad guys you kill you just create more enemies and more bitterness and yeah. more anger and killing bad guys does not solve the problem no well, no and there's a there's a there's actually a survey that came out not too long ago um uh, here in this country, here in the United States uh, and it had to do with our our pol political parties and each side in this survey, the majority, have basically said, if only the other side would just go away, disappear, then the world would be a happier place. And it's like, <laughs> that's not how it is. 
we are all here together. If it were, if it were by uh, the creator's design that each one of us, I've said this before, if each, if, if it were the creator's design with all of the trillions of galaxies that there are in the universe, each one of us could have our own planet. But guess what? <laughs> that is not the way it is. We are all here together. And that says to me that, okay, we're supposed to learn how to work and play and, and grow together and so forth. And that's what, uh, that's what, what um, uh, the world is. My country is all about the world is my country.com slash club. We encourage you to go there. We encourage you to uh, watch the film as well and support uh, the work that uh, Arthur Canegas uh, is, uh, is all about. Uh, I'm Richard Dugan. And this is tell me your story arthur before we wrap things up here uh, first of all thank you for giving us so much time here on the program and again folks these are perspectives that are out there this is nothing new uh there are those of us who i have not served i can't because of my vision uh but nonetheless uh tired of this uh this this particular story the the end is always the same and as einstein stated uh that uh, insanity the definition is doing the same thing over and over again expecting a different result guess what we haven't gotten a different result but i think there's another key phrase of einstein's you cannot solve the existing problem or deal with the existing challenge with the consciousness that created it and that's part of what we are doing here on this program. That's part of, I think, what you are doing, Arthur, uh, and right. helping to raise the consciousness. And I want to thank you so much for being a part of Tell Me Your Story. You're absolutely right. You can't solve it at the same level at which it was created. You have to rise to a higher level, and then we can solve these problems. And so let's join together to a higher level, create new stories for our world, and yeah. new stories that bring us together instead of tear us apart. And that's the key yeah. to uh, survival here on this planet, is to, 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 to imagine, to envision, to picture, and then to move toward that. In our personal lives, if we can imagine and visualize what we want, we're more likely to get there. If all we imagine, like you said, is doom and gloom, that's where we're to get. But if yeah. we can imagine how the world can come together and we can picture it clearly and, and if we can create movies and television shows that take us into that alternative vision, uh, we can have a powerful way to uh, to, to bring this, bring, align the stories on the planet so that we can survive and thrive. Absolutely. Well, uh, before we wrap things up, I do have three final questions that I wanted to ask you as I ask all of my guests, though you're a returning guest, we ask the same uh, three questions, or at least we ask the three questions. They've changed over the years here in our 15th year. And uh, we're very grateful for the fact that we are here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., Wednesdays at 9 a.m. And now with the 8 to 9 a.m. Monday through Friday edition of Tell Me Your Story, we certainly hope that you'll join us for all these as we stream live at those times at richarddugan.com with podcasts at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. And we're also on YouTube where you can watch these conversations. I hope that you will avail yourselves, subscribe, at least click notifications so that the next conversation that's posted, you'll know about it. We also ask that if you can support the work we are doing here financially, we would greatly appreciate it. We have a PayPal account. It is there for your security as well as ours. We also ask that you spend some time going within and listening to that still small voice, regardless of what the questions are, the answers are there. That's why we refer to it as perfect vision during this, the decade, the 2020s, where that is where you personally will get 
the information, the insight, the inspiration, the encouragement that you need and are looking for as well. With all of that being said, the final three questions for my very special guest here on the program. Who is Arthur Kanagas? Well, Arthur Kanagas is a, a peacemaker. I mean, since I was four years old, and I said to my dad, Dad, why don't they melt down all the guns and turn them into doorknobs? Since then, I've been interested in how do we open the doors to peace? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Uh, I usually lie there in bed and start thinking about all the important things I need to do and people I need to connect with that to, to help build this world and create this vision and to help uh, get some of the movie screenplays that I've written uh, to the key people who can actually get them produced to get uh, to get these television shows out more widely. You know, I keep thinking of how, how, how can we bring this new story and these new, how can we bring new stories to the world and how can we bring transitional stories that move us from the stories that divide us and just, just and 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 to to the world that we all want to come together on? How do how do we create the stories of the end vision and the and the uh, journey there? And finally, what was your best day? What was my best day? Um, <laughs> um, well, um, uh, the best day, I think. Uh, uh, I mean, one of them was when uh, when when we when we got the day after on the air, and I was there, and this and and we'd help put together that whole studio uh, discussion. Uh, and when 100 million people saw that film, and uh, and actually did start to step us back from nuclear war, I thought, wow, we've really done it. We've reached 100 million people. But I also had a somewhat similar feeling when I had uh, when my movie uh, War Without Winners uh, was shown on TV around the country and. Uh, and that was that was very upbeat to to get over ten thousand letters from people who've been moved by it. And again, you can see that at theworldismycountry.com. Go to forward slash nuclear, and you'll see that film and television event and so on. Um, so I'd say it's uh, it's when I feel uh, my best days are when I feel I've really had an impact and made a difference. And that's why we want to create a global interactive system where everybody can feel they've made an impact and they've made a difference and they can actually, that we, we don't have to frustratingly bang our heads against the wall, that we actually can create the world we choose. Well, Arthur, once again, thank you so much for being with us here on the program. I really do appreciate the time and your observations as well. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, just remember that uh, when I am sharing what I am sharing, there are my observations. I'm not putting this on anybody else. I am just saying this is this is my perspective, and we all have a right to our own perspective. The question is, are we willing to talk about these different perspectives? Because we're going to learn something from one another, as we have learned today from Arthur Kennegas, uh, in reference to uh, not only the the day after, but also, of course, the, uh, the, the film that uh, he is most notable for, I believe, and that is uh, The World Is My Country. Go to theworldismycountry.com slash club and find out more get your passport get the copy of the of the movie or watch the movie online and until our next broadcast podcast video cast love to lol Jeanette I am listening dad continue to be happy because I am Smokey I'll see you on the other side and to my dear friend Zorro aho aho